where at the end of John's Gospel, Jesus has been arrested. He's been tried before the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the temple, and now he's back with Pilate. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Jesus replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to me, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. It's Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ Sunday as it's often called in the Protestant churches. And it's not an ancient feast of the church. It goes back only a lifetime. It goes back to 1925. And it was instituted by Pope Pius XI. And it was instituted because there was a great concern that the church was losing its influence and its its, uh, role in culture. And it's fair enough, given that just before 1925, just in a handful of years before, the European part of the world had torn itself to bits. The most Christian nations on earth, <clears throat> the best educated nations on earth, if you agree that Western education is the best thing, had torn themselves apart in the Great War. What was the purpose of the church if it hasn't been able to stop this, if, if the Christian nations have done this, what's the purpose of, of the church? The church asked the same question at the end of the Second War. And some of the great theologies of the 20th century came out of that conversation. What does it mean? Can God really exist? What would it mean to be faithful people after all of this calamity and catastrophe? And the 1920s was, of course, a time of rapid change the beginning of a massive boom, uh, economic boom for many people, particularly in the United States, which then, of course, collapsed in the Great Depression. The rise of communism and fascism, the rise of the women's suffragette movement, whole changes in the way, the normal way, the proper way the world should work was all under change. So the idea that we would promote Christ as the king, something that would unify the nations, was behind Pope Pius's thinking. But, but of course the problem is that you're transferring allegiance from one form of authority to another. It, it's saying that, well, we should still have an authority, but it should be Christ, it should be Jesus who's the king, and we've got to have a king anyway. And anyway, the church needs to look more 
important in culture and so we need to promote the idea that all the rulers of the world are not really the important ones, it's God and it's Christ. But then we've got this text. And it's such a strange text. It seems completely the wrong text if you're about trying to promote Jesus and Christ as the king. Because here's a king in chains. Here's one before the real rulers of the world, the Romans. And when he's asked twice whether he's the king, he doesn't respond. He either ignores the question or sidesteps them. And when he does finally say something, he talks about kingdom, he says, my kingdom is not from this world. How is this text of any use? If what you're trying to do is, is sort of re-engage the church as the most important institution in society, what, what is it, how you would you use this text if what you're trying to do is say, forget all of those authorities, this is the real authority. What does Jesus mean when he says, my kingdom is not of this world? Well, one of the ways we've taken that, particularly in the 20th century, is we've said, well, Jesus is really king of our hearts. That this is a claim for a personal, interior, kind of private experience of religion. And we're keen on that in the West. Most of us would, in the last 50 years or so, would be happier talking about our sex lives than we would talking about the interior experience of faith. How many people for whom as a real experience of God in Christianity but have never been able to tell, tell that to their children or the people they love? Because, well, it's private and it's personal. I know lots of people for whom the relationship between them and their children, good on all kinds of levels, is completely empty around the issue of what's really important about faith. Well, mum and dad, they go to church. They go very regularly. Why do they go? Well, I don't really know. We've never talked about it. I've had these conversations over and over. We have brought the line that this is all about Jesus being our interior private experience, king of hearts. My kingdom is not of this world. But why does Jesus use the word kingdom? I don't think he's at all interested in personal, private religion. He's interested in personal. In other words, we need a, a deep, intimate, vital experience of the numinous, of the divine, of God, of Jesus, whichever language we're using. Otherwise, none of this stuff makes any sense. It's just a set of rote things that we believe. We know that it has to animate us and fill us. That's why, even though we're not going to do it today for other reasons, that's why we have communion, to remind us that it fills us. We do an actual thing to fill us. Jesus is not at all interested in a private religion. Otherwise, why is he there? I mean, where he is right now, in front of Pilate. If what he was interested in was a private experience of faith, well, that's fine. Particularly if it means you're going to be nice to other people, that's not going to bother the Romans at all. Or the Jewish leaders. That's, in fact, that's exactly what we want. We want the quiet Australians, don't we? Who don't just make any noise. Who just sit quietly and hopefully vote the right way. Jesus uses the word kingdom. In our world, we would use the word government because it means the same things. 
And if you start reusing that word in place of the word kingdom, it changes everything. Repent, for the government of God is at hand. John the Baptist says in the beginning of the three synoptic gospels that Matthew, Mark and Luke. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the government of God. Changes it, doesn't it? What Jesus is talking about is not private and personal, a sort of set of beliefs that you just hook up to and hope for the best. That's why he's in front of Pilate. Because he, it's obvious to all the, the authorities of the day that Jesus is on about something that is dangerous, that could upset things. So what does he mean when he says, my government is not of this world? What does his government look like? What does this world look like that Jesus is talking about? We could say, well, yes, it means it's a spiritual experience. It doesn't have any kind of practical implications other than being nice to people and trying not to break too many laws and not drink, dance, swear or go to the movies and all the other things that some of us grew up in churches like. But what he says, when he says my kingdom is not of this world, the, the text actually, when translated uh, more directly, is saying my kingdom is not from out of all of this. My kingdom is not founded on this, in, on this way of doing things. This is not where my kingdom is based. Look around at all of this, you could almost hear him say. All of this grandeur, all of this pomp. That's not where it's based. Because if my kingdom were from this world, if my kingdom was built like these kingdoms are built, then my followers would be doing what all followers do when they're threatened. They would fight. And they would keep me from being handed over. We would use violence. Because that's what we do. That's what Rome has always done. Violence first, subdue, then peace. That was the Roman model. Because that's how we respond when we need something. When we want to get something done, it's the, what we call the myth of redemptive violence. That finally, if we just do it enough, eventually things will sort themselves out. And we're seeing violence on our streets at the moment with people who are against mandatory vaccinations rioting in our streets. And fortunately we haven't had the same injuries and deaths that have happened in other places so far. But Jesus is not saying, not making a claim that this is a better kingdom than the Romans. I think what he's saying is that this is a different way of the world being. As what he says, my kingdom, we could assume that he means, well, I'm the king, and that's why Pilate asked him a second time, when he says, my kingdom, Pilate says, so you are a king. But what if Jesus is using the term in the way that I use the term about Australia? Australia is my country. I don't pretend and you don't think I mean that I own it or that I can control what happens in it. No, I'm identifying to being a part of it. It is something that I identify with. I'm in. So Pilate says, so you are a king? And Jesus, you can hear him saying, no, you don't, you're not getting it at all. You're so trapped in your monolithic view of the world that it must, somebody must be in charge. At the moment it's us, and if I don't keep a finger on you and that lot over there, it could be someone else later. 
Jesus says, that's not it. It's about the truth. The whole purpose of my life is to be living the truth and to bring that truth. I'm not interested in kings, who's king and who's not. I'm interested in the deep truth. And that's the truth of a different government, a different world, a different way of being. And it's not one that we're very comfortable with. And we're about to go into Advent, the time of waiting, the time of coming, the, the arriving. The whole of the, all the Advent readings that we will read, and you can read ahead if you like, all the Advent readings that we read are all about paying attention because something is coming and if you're not careful you could miss it. Just as Pilate is missing it at this point. It's a small, hidden thing that will come and change everything. It's a grain of wheat that goes into the ground. It's like a mustard seed. It's like yeast that once it starts, it can't stop until everything is changed. Because we're going to tell a story that we think we know over and over on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve about a baby being born to a teenage peasant in the back end of nowhere. And that will be the story that announces a new way of living in the world. And our job between now and Christmas, as we go through Advent, is to reimagine what our role is in that, to ex- wait for it, to pay attention and to experience it and to grow into a new world. A new world. Repent for the government of God is at hand. So, four weeks of Advent. It'll be good. Amen. Thanks, Laura.